as the Big 12 turns, the running soap opera that is conference realignment once again is the topic on today's Sportsbeat KC. It's Wednesday, August 4th, and I'm Blair Kirkbaugh. Callis Robinette and Gary Bedore of the Star and Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram break down the latest developments, including a meeting earlier this week between the commissioners of the Big 12 and the Pac-12. What could that yield? After a break, Drew shares his story about how Texas politics got involved with the move by the Longhorns and Oklahoma Sooners to the SEC. So let's get going with the latest on Big 12 realignment, the possibilities, and the speculation. We're here today with Kellis Robinette, Drew Davison, and Gary Bedore. They all cover college sports for McClatchy Properties, Kansas City, Wichita, Fort Worth. We got the whole Big 12 footprint covered. And I think we're all wondering if there's going to continue to be a Big 12 footprint um, after, uh, after a few years. But as we're recording this, I don't know if the, um, if, if the meeting has happened. We are recording this on, on Tuesday. But we know that the commissioners of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are talking today. Uh, Kellis, you wrote a lot about that. Let's just start in with what... Uh, What's the uh, what? What are they talking about? And and then let's get into what what could result from a conversation between Commissioners Bowlesby and Klevkoff. Right. Well, I'm still waiting for uh, Otter to transcribe the uh, bug I placed in their meeting. So when when that's over, I'll tell you everything they Please said. Please let us know because we'll we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll dub over this. <laughs> uh, well, from, from what I understand, basically this was just. Uh, kind of informal, totally explanatory meeting. Um, both sides think that there could be some value in at least talking things out here, figuring out, is there a partnership that can be formed between the Big 12 and Pac-12 moving forward? Obviously, of the uh, Power 5 leagues that are out there, they're the two that are trailing everybody else right now. Big 12 only has the eight members. The Pac-12 hasn't been to a college football playoff since the thing was invented, basically. Um, and they're, they're, they're needing a jolt too. So basically what they're looking at is, well, what's the best path forward? And is there a way that we could form a symbiotic relationship, whether it be merging all 20 teams into some Goliath conference, um, maybe setting up a schedule, scheduling alliance where in football and men's basketball, maybe women's basketball too, you take some of the mystery out of scheduling and just have your conferences play each other each year and drive up TV value that way. Or maybe there's some other creative way in which um, they pool their their resources and and sell their TV package together. The Pac-12's media rights deal ends in 2024. The Big 12's ends in 2025. I'm not sure exactly what that would look like, but you would have teams located in the, on the East Coast with West Virginia, the Central Time Zone, the teams we know, you know, who've been in the Big Eight, Big 12, Southwest Conference forever, and then the Mountain Time Zone on the West Coast and the Pac-12. Maybe there's a way you could package all those media rights together and then share it somehow. And maybe there's some options I'm not even mentioning here that I haven't even thought of yet. But from the people I've talked to, this is very much just let's get the, you know, let's get the ball rolling. Let's see if there's anything we can do to enhance both our conferences. 20 slices of the pie. That's that's pretty thin, Drew. Um, if if the uh, Pac-12 and Big 12 emerge, that's, that's like a, I mean, if that's the case, I need four or five of those to, to have a complete uh, meal here. But from a, from, from a football standpoint, what might it look like? Let, let's, let's go with a, 
a merged conference. If you're up to 20, then you can have yeah. scheduling pods and, and keep it regional, for which is what the SEC is talking about with the 16-team league. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, you know, adding the eight Big 12 schools, even for the Olympic sports, you know, they could still have the Pac-12, Big 12 type thing uh, scheduling. But from a football perspective, you know, I think it is kind of intriguing. I know K-State, Kellis wrote about it. TCU's played a lot of Pac-12 schools and they got a lot of Pac-12 schools like Colorado, Stanford, uh, Washington, kind of coming up as home and home. So it'd be kind of an easy uh, so to speak, and and whatnot, and, and I do think you know there's potential for some pretty good matchups. Whether it's you know Tech's got a history with the Arizona schools, or, or TCU and Utah are in the Mountain West, so um, I think there could be some intriguing matchups. It will be interesting to see. I, I do think, uh, opposed to a full-on merger, it's probably more along the lines of a scheduling alliance, just uh, kind of for the reasons we just said. Just you know, you can't have West Virginia probably flying to Oregon State, you know, all the time or, or whatnot. I mean, that's not too realistic. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an intriguing idea, especially for the Big 12. I mean, all eight are kind of blown in the wind, so to speak, right now. So if they're able to to get on with the conference that has kind of like the Texas and Oklahomas and USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, um, I, I definitely see there's probably more upside for the Big 12 than the Pac-12, but uh, but I, I do think it could be a nice little marriage, even though, uh, as Bob Bowlesby said, it could make for some interesting bedfellows uh, <laughs> going forward. Well, one thing somebody suggested to me in the additional value of a potential scheduling alliance, at least for football, was if, if you had both conferences say we're going to take the Big 12 would have to expand and still have nine conference games to go around. But if they set it up to where every team in each conference said, we're going to take two of our three non-conference games and only play against each other. TCU, you would play, of your non-conference games, you could play one team, whoever the heck you want it to be, and then Utah and USC, whatever. K-State, you would play Washington State and Oregon State, and then whoever you wanted. If you did it that way, and if those two conferences bound together and said, we absolutely will not schedule you know, the SEC or these conferences that ESPN has this big deal with, that could drive up value just because early in the season when those teams are playing non-conference games, they might not have anybody very good to play <laughs> just because the Pac-12 and Big 12 are playing all the, the Power 5 games at the time. I thought that was one interesting angle that if uh, if you're trying to drive up early season value, that would be one possible way to do it. September value, I like that. Um, and I, I do like if, there's, if it's a scheduling alliance for football, you would have two games and not just one. When, when we talk about challenge series for football it's when we talk with there isn't one doesn't exist but when we've talked about it in the past it's always been just lining up a school from conference a with conference b and but i, I do like the idea of perhaps two non-conference opponents for uh big 12 and pac-12 schools and gary i know that you know the big 12 and the pac-12 have had a scheduling alliance but it was in basketball right the first conference dual meet was uh was the old big 12 pac-12 hardcore hardcore <laughs> hardwood series <laughs> and some yeah. of the games were pretty hardcore as i recall it was ku ucla games they they have had a relationship but what kansas is it, it's not unusual to see a couple of pac-12 schools show up on ku schedule every year yeah, I think that uh, KU would be fine with with some kind of merger with the pack if they don't have any other options. I mean, I think in terms of Kansas, it's all basketball. So 
if Kansas is attractive to the Big Ten, how much have they already talked, if any? Is the Big Ten interested in KU? Certainly KU, if the Big Ten was interested, would pursue that and probably grab that. At the same time, how far along is West Virginia? Does the ACC want them? How far along is Okie State? If these other teams have better options than this possible merger or agreement with the PAC, will they grab them? There's just a lot of smoke about maybe it's wishful thinking about KU in the Big Ten. It seems like geographically it's what Bill Self would want. He would be in a league with a great basketball league. They'd be right at the top of it. With the PAC, I think he would be okay with that. But if he can get in a Big Ten, and if that is feasible, I think, you know, it would be Big Ten number one for KU. But like you said, they do play a lot of Pac-12 teams. They always will. They played Stanford, UCLA, USC series right now. So that would probably be okay with KU. But again, can KU get a major conference like the Big Ten? Not that the PAC isn't a major conference. I've also seen Kansas mentioned as an ACC possibility because of basketball and how it could fit with schools like Duke and North Carolina with its with its basketball. But I, I don't know how realistic that seems. But did you did you see Gary the? I don't know who put this out. Was it KU that some charts floating around on social media about what KU has to offer and listed things like it's AAU membership, it's, it's endowment, um, uh, just a lot of, you know, categories where yeah. Kansas looks good, uh, except for the one category that probably means most in the realignment world. That's football victories yeah. and football success. So you, have you seen that one? Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> that uh, is is interesting that they put that out. I think that probably was twofold for that. Plus, the uh, it was the same day they announced something on the NIL. KU has a package. They announced the companies they're going to be working with and this and that. But what you said about the ACC is interesting because you're right. There's a ton of rumors. And one was that ESPN would love to have a massive football conference in the SEC and the ACC, if they could get KU in Kentucky, now why would Kentucky ever leave the lucrative SEC? But if they could have the trade Clemson and Florida state to the SEC, KU in Kentucky to the ACC, you would have KU, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke in a basketball conference And ESPN could just say, look, we've got this 20-team SEC football league or whatever they'll have. Now in the winter, we're going to throw the four blue bloods at you. That would be a champion's classic about every weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that that, that would be intriguing. I will say for for the Texas schools, uh, it looks like their best option would be the Pac-12, whether it's a scheduling alliance or merger or just adding if the Pac-12 decides to extend, expand to 16 teams, uh, you know, TCU and Tech and, and Baylor would hope to sell, hey, it's important to have a Texas footprint. So that's kind of like their top option. I guess theoretically they could uh, try and pitch the the Big Ten on, on the importance of having a Texas footprint. That seems a little bit more far-fetched. But, you know, for, from the Texas school's perspective, this Pac-12, whether it's a merger or if they just join, that's probably – uh, their best bet to land safely. 
among one of these power fours, assuming if a KU defects or if a West Virginia defects and it ends up dissolving, uh, the Pac-12 looks like the best option for these Texas schools right now. That's what I think makes this whole thing so interesting is that, yeah, every every school I think would be fine with a Pac-12 merger, a Pac-12 alliance, anything that keeps them in the game more so than just um, expanding to, say, Houston and Cincinnati, something like that. I'm still of the belief that that conference would be fine. I think it would be fun. It just There just wouldn't be as much money in it as a Pac-12 or any of these other things would be. It would just be harder to compete. It wouldn't, it wouldn't thrill fans. And like I'm trying to say, that I think if you ask every – we're able to put a gun to every athletics director's head in the conference. They would all probably say, I'd rather be in this conference. I'd rather have a lifeboat to that conference. You know, KU's probably Big Ten. TCU's probably Pac-12. K-State's probably wherever we're invited. And that, that's kind of what it makes this so interesting is even if they can form this partnership, you know, I think everybody will be fine with it unless they can find something better. And, you know, who's to say that that's going to happen or not? No, you're, you're right, Kellis. It's a good point that if, if you have a choice, if the choice is going to a conference that's guaranteed to generate 40 to 50 to $60 million a year in revenue or to make it go with uh, the remaining schools in the Big 12, the eight schools, and, and form some kind of scheduling alliance, then, I mean, there's no doubt. As Missouri did, you know, 10 years ago, you know, you've got to go when the invitation's ex- extended, and you've got to guarantee your, your future financial success. And I think that's a no-brainer. One more thought before we go to the break, and that is, you know, as we talk about, of course, we're talking from a pure Big 12 perspective on this. But if you're looking at it from a Pac-12 perspective, if you're uh, Klevkoff, the commissioner there, aren't you calling Kevin Warren at the Big 10 to see if there's a scheduling alliance to be done with that conference? Your longtime Rose Bowl partner, not certainly not a merger, but, you know, a having inventory like Ohio State, USC, UCLA, Michigan, just, you know, up and down Penn State, Washington, having those games available. Can't the Pac-12 actually be in a better position if it had some kind of alliance with the Big Ten than the Big 12. Well, don't don't go telling your secrets here to the Big Ten, Blair. You're going to ruin this whole thing with the Big 12. I mean, yeah, that, that's what kind of makes this all seem a little far-fetched. Is, uh, I mean, as good as it sounds for the Big 12, it's a pretty solid option. I'm sure everybody in the conference would be, like I said, happy to do this. If the Big 12 says, yeah, let's, let's, let's merge, let's, let's form an alliance, Nobody in the Big 12 right now is going to say no to that, even if they are secretly planning something else better. Fine, it, it keeps us in the game, let's do it. But you're right, from the Pac-12 perspective, it would make more sense to partner somehow with the Big 10 or the ACC, just because they're, they've got bigger brands, they're on more solid footing right now. The other thing I've kind of wondered is, is there a partnership for like three leagues to form? Could the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 say, we're going to have a scheduling alliance? Instead of having two games against just each other, you spread it out. Big 12 plays one against Pac-12, one against ACC. They do it that way. You're right. I don't see a ton of upside for the Pac-12 here, other than that it would allow them to expand into four time zones. And maybe they wouldn't have to play. I mean, out here, Oklahoma complains about playing at 11 a.m. Out there, they complain about playing, what, 9 a.m., way late at night. Maybe doing this gives them more, uh, more freedom there. I don't know. The Pac-12, Big Ten, if that happens, then the Big 12 probably looks at maybe an ACC, and or maybe they're already talking to everyone about a potential scheduling alliance, like Kellis said. But yeah, I, I think it makes sense for the non-SEC conferences to maybe 
have some sort of alliance just with each other to make sure they have big time games and in September, October to kind of compete or at least try to compete with what the SEC product's going to be. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to ask Drew about the Texas state legislature and what happened there on Monday when it came to Big 12 schools getting to face Texas for the first time since uh, since the decision was made that Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We are back with Gary Bedore, Drew Davison, and Kevis Robinette. They cover college sports for McClatchy. We've got the programs of Kansas, Kansas State, and TCU covered here. Plus, they all cover the Big 12 as well. Drew, there was an interesting day in the Texas legislature on on Monday where, for the first time, the University of Texas president, Hartzell, I believe his name is, got to uh, kind of face the fire a little bit. He heard it from representatives politically and athletically from the other Texas schools First of all, what was the what was the gathering about? Well, how was it billed and what was the purpose of it? I actually attended. It lasted six plus hours. If I knew it was going to take that long, <laughs> I, I may have uh, rearranged my work schedule a little bit. So, so Texas pretty much billed this as a uh, future of college sports in the state because right now Texas has five power five schools. And obviously with Texas leaving the Big 12, it leaves them in jeopardy of only having two, Texas and A&M, if Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech are left out of the mix. It was a good hearing, I think, kind of just a, a show of support, at least for the three remaining Texas schools all kind of down there supporting each other, the ADs and, and presidents and chancellors, as well as Bob Bowlesby was there. And, and like you said, Jay Hartzell of Texas uh, showed up. Chris Del Conte was invited, the Texas AD, but he uh, declined. So it, it was one of those things where it, it was more about just expressing how important it is from an economic standpoint to be in, in a power conference for those three remaining schools. And, and kind of what that brings, you know, to, to the local communities, just like, you know, the same case, I'm sure, in Manhattan, Kansas and Lawrence and, you know, KC is kind of by default, you know, ho- hosting the tournament. So it, it was interesting, you know, Mac Rhodes, Baylor ID definitely took some shots at Jay Hartzell and, and UT just saying, point out they've never made the CFP and or the final four during his time and which, which is true. So good luck uh, to Texas and trying to 
accomplish the CFP and the SEC. Uh, not sure how that's going to go if you can't beat Iowa State or TCU. So I, I guess I'll join the fire. But uh, <laughs> and then uh, TCU U alum Lois Kolkhurst, she kind of hit, hit the viral home run, so to speak, where uh, you know she was asking Jay Hartzell about their budget, and he's like, you know, 200, 225 million, number one in the country. And uh, she, of course, pointed out, you know, the Horned Frogs are seven and two against Texas since joining the Big 12. So uh, de- definitely some uh, subtle shots at Texas. But obviously, I'm sure some of these schools are hoping to do it on the field and, and not really in the uh, political courtroom, so to speak. Yeah, I tell you what, I get asked all the time now what the what the timeline is for Texas and Oklahoma to, to leave the league. It's, there, there is no answer to that, except the official answer right now is the grant of rights expires in the 24-25 season. And uh, if Texas and Oklahoma decide to leave before then, or if it's arranged that they can leave before then, they're going to pay a penalty for doing that. I imagine that's not a bad outcome for the remaining eight schools of the Big 12 to have Texas and OU have to write big, big checks to uh, to the Big 12 office, which in turn would be distributed to the Big 12. And given the reception I anticipate for the Sooners and the Longhorns at football and basketball games, especially football and basketball games this year, I think they would want to get out as soon as possible. I certainly remember what it was like for Nebraska and Missouri and others in their last year, the Big 12. They did not get warm receptions. Not that they would anyway, but it was especially hostile when they went on the road. So did I cover it there? Is there anything to add? On an earlier podcast, I predicted they'd be playing SEC in 2022. And now I'm not so sure. I think that unless there's some defections among these last eight, I think the Big 12 are kind of united and and really want to kind of hold OU and UT's feet to the fire because they do feel like they really blindsided them and obviously put them in a bad spot. Uh, and, and with that being said, I think Texas could easily cover the buyout, but Jay Hartzell said there's no way Texas is paying OU's buyout. There's some speculation that, hey, with, if they shut down the Longhorn Network and have to pay a big buyout, you know, UT may be able to help OU because, uh, you know, o- OU, obviously it's a big school. They've got finances and, and whatnot, but cutting an $80 million check to get out early is easier said than done, especially even at a school like OU. But yeah, I, I do think still 2022, but I do think there's going to be some kind of legal ease and, and still some courtroom decisions coming down the pipe. But but yeah, I, I would not be surprised if both actually end up playing beyond just one more year. Yeah, I, I kind of think 2023 is more likely for their move, honestly. Um, I think there's just going to be such a, such a wrangling uh, in court about how much money they have to pay to leave early. It's just going to take longer than it has in the past. I really don't remember how much Nebraska and Colorado and Missouri and all those other schools paid to leave the Big 12 in the past, but it's uh, there's just much, much more spite and the anger involved this time. They're not going to let them go without paying the most money they possibly can. And Texas and Oklahoma, I'm sure, are on the other end of the spectrum. They want to get out paying the least money possible. So it'll be a while before they can meet in the middle. And honestly, the thing I keep hearing is that, um, you know, the, the $80 million exit fee that's been reported, people in the Big 12 think that that's just purely to leave the conference. Even if you were to leave at that point, you still wouldn't be able to take your TV money with you. The Big 12 would keep it. So if they wanted to leave, I've had more than one person tell me that uh, it would cost more than $80 million per school to get them out. So that's why there's at least a slim chance that maybe, just maybe, they're here all four years. Yeah, well, and I, I would just add real quick, CBS Sports owns SEC TV rights. 
through 2024, I believe, before they go exclusively to ESPN. So uh, there's that factor, too, where I don't think CBS would just say ESPN or ABC can still broadcast the Red River Showdown because (laughs) why would they let them, right? If they own the primetime SEC package, that they'll want that game if they do leave early. Another implication here is the college football playoff. Just you know, a week before the announcement of Texas OU, there was just so much enthusiasm for the 12-team playoff, and it could start as early as the 2023 season. That has certainly come to a screeching halt, given I don't think any of the other conferences are eager to have a 12-team playoff that includes six or seven SEC teams. So I I think we're going to have to just see some changing of the college sports landscape before we see uh, a a 12-team college football playoff in the game. And Gary, I I can't have a conversation about this without thinking about the Big 12 basketball tournament. It's, It's not significant in terms of what, you know, the television networks want. But it's incredibly significant to people in Kansas City, to KU, to K-State, to Iowa State. I always think if if the eight schools end up staying together, maybe adding other members of that conference should be able to keep the tournament in Kansas City and continue a tradition that's, you know, that goes back to the heck World War II. Yeah, I mean, that would be one of the huge casualties of all this. But the way I kind of see it is college athletics with the NIL happening. It's a brave new world now. All the the great things like Big 12 tournaments and things like that are going to fall by the wayside. And it's just the way it's going to be. I mean, this is pro sports, but a step below in terms of talent. And NIL, you're going to have players that are smart making 500000 to a million a year or whatever. And all these schools are out, you know, for themselves right now. I don't know how far or if KU has talked to other conferences, but you know that all these schools are investigating what's best for them. So whereas the Big 12 tournament would be a huge loss for cement and for money for Kansas City, I'm sure they'd get some other kind of tournament, you know, here, (laughs) maybe bring back the old Big 8 schools for a preseason tournament if there are enough games to play where you don't have to give up a trip to Hawaii, because as we all know, that's real important now. You got to go to the Bahamas. But uh, I think sentiment is gone with the start of NIL. Get ready to cover the pros part two in college. God, you're so cynical now, Gary. <laughs> what One property that will not fall by the wayside is the Texas OU football game at the Cotton Bowl. That'll get preserved at all costs. You make a good point, Gary, about NIL and what it's doing to the traditions of college sports. I, I think one thing that's important if for NIL to have value, you have to have the setting for college sports for that player or that athlete to perform. It's one thing to write a check to a Kansas basketball player or a Kentucky player or an Alabama football player because he's simply a, a high regarded member of that team. But, you know, his true value is he's being seen by millions of people in games that we're interested in. And what's going to happen if because of all of this change in college sports, We're not as interested in college sports anymore. So just something to think about as we close down here. And I want to thank Gary Bedore, Drew Davison, Kellis Robinette for spending time talking about life and times in the Big 12, which has gotten a lot more interesting here in the last month or so. Guys, thanks a lot. And we'll do it again another time. 
That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette, Gary Bedore, and Drew Davidson for stopping by and talking Big 12 realignment. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And, of course, they're posted first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you just send me an email, bkirkhoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.